So now we'll discuss the Google file system, which really was the first big data file system. So the Google file system, as we already heard, was designed for big data workloads. So here we have huge files, mostly appends, we have concurrent access, and we have huge bandwidth. And uh, we have thousands of machines, so we really need to be fault tolerant. So, and we have commodity hardware. As we said, disks will constantly fail. So um, this is something we have to have in our design. And um, we want uh, to have an API, which is designed to be, to be implemented in a scalable form. And so, and this means also it's not a POSIX file system. So this is what we said earlier, right? This is not compliant to your general uh, file system API, meaning you cannot just mount this as you would do with a network file system, for example. And the architecture is quite simple. You have a primary and you have many junk or data servers. And the primary, primary stores the metadata and monitors the chunk servers. And the chunk servers store and serve chunks. And in the chunks, you basically have the actual data. The drivers for the, um, the, the Google file system design were uh, the, the fact that we have these failures, right? So in the commodity hardware, um, the operating system will fail. There's human errors. And of course, we have many, many disk errors all the time. You need to do monitoring, error detection, and fault tolerance uh, in the system. At the same time, there's also huge files. So the files will be multi gigabyte in size. And uh, the existing thoughts about block sizes because of that have to be uh, revisited, right? It doesn't really make sense if you have multiple gigabyte files to split them up and manage them on a kilobyte level, because then you have to so much management overhead for each individual file. And uh, then often the data is, is read mostly or append only. So rather than actually changing the data, you're appending to the data. And random writes to the, these large files practically do not exist. And for that, uh, also the, the consistency model was simplified. If we don't need to update the files internally, but can only append, then this makes things actually a lot, a lot easier. So we have inexpensive uh, components that often fail. We have 100 megabytes or larger files. Uh, we don't need to optimize for small files, which is not the case for an operating system, right? In an operating system, we have many small files because we constantly have to keep updates about the current state of the machine. And often this is just very small, like a few bits or bytes that we update and that we change. Here, if we think about building a web index, well, this is going to be lots and lots of data that we want to process in MapReduce, for example. And so we can have large files. And if we're reading this, we have large streaming reads, or we might have small random reads. And the write workload is really appends, right? So we're just adding to the end of the file. Say our crawler gives us some new websites, so we add this. And any kind of modifications is not really that necessary, right? So the crawler will add new data, but we're not going to update whatever we call because that will be a new instance of our crawl. So that will be go into new files. 
and we have hundreds of concurrently unpending clients. So, meaning that we, we, we get, in order to ingest this amount of data, we will have to do this in parallel from many machines, and then we have to append this. And um, because we have these large files and we have sort of this kind of MapReduce map interface, uh, it's all about bandwidth rather than low latency. And this means we really want to be able to saturate our cluster bandwidth wise rather than getting uh, to a point where we can have millisecond uh, response time. So the interface is not full uh, POSIX uh, compliant. Um, so it, it requires many guarantees, which are hard um, or impossible to fulfill in distributed applications, which of course is not 100% true because the network file system does this, but in not such a large distribution. So network file system is not as scalable as something like the Google file system. And so we have, um, yeah, basic uh, supported operations, which are create, delete, open, close, read, and write, as you would have them in a uh, typical file system. But then we also have a snapshot operation, which creates a copy of a file or di directory tree at very low costs so that we can reuse. And uh, we have an append, which means we can uh, add or multiple clients can append to a file in, par in parallel. Um, while still uh, having atomicity, meaning that there's no overriding here. The architecture is, um, well, we have, we have files which are split up in fixed size chunks. So this is uh, similar to, to data blocks in a regular file system. And they have an immutable and unique ID, which is the junk handle, which would be just the same as an inode uh, number, right? The index that we had in X2. We have a single primary that maintains all of the file system metadata, meaning the namespace, access control information, so who gets to access which files, um, the mapping from files to chunks, and this is important, right? So we need to know where which chunk is located, which is similar again to the inode infrastructure or the inode uh, metadata that we had and then the location of chunks and we have garbage collection so files are not uh, deleted immediately but it's more like a tombstone so we're, we're storing information that uh, a file will be deleted and then uh, the files will actually be collected or the space will be collected by a garbage collection process and we have regular heartbeat messages um, to the data nodes, to the nodes that, um, that contain the data. And these uh, are actually many servers. So each node that contains data will actually host a, a chunk server, which then uh, actually have the disks that store the, the actual data on files. So these, these individual blocks or chunks are then stored um, in the chunk servers. And each chunk, so each data block is replicated across multiple chunk servers, this, which depends on the replication factor. And this is in order to not lose anything because we know that uh, data will be constantly, uh, or disks will constantly crash. So we need to have some, some form of replication. But of course, if we have a data set that 
uh, we can easily lose. So it's just in some intermediate data that we still want to have in Google file system. We might not even replicate, but the norm is actually replicating across two or, or usually three um, servers. So let's look at an architecture diagram. So we have a client and the client um, using a file name and a, um, or accesses uh, the chunk master using a file name and a chunk index and the, 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 the primary will then return the chunk handle and the chunk locations. And uh, then the, the client can actually access the chunk servers. So it knows then where to find the chunk servers and the chunk servers, um, and it will know multiple locations of the chunk servers. And the, the client will pick the one that's closest to its, uh, its location. And uh, then the chunk uh, server will answer with the data. If we need to read multiple chunks, um, we will, the client will actually cache this information and can then um, directly uh, read from the chunk servers rather than going to the, to the master every time. And um, if the client wants to read a specific byte range, it can actually calculate this from the chunk index and the chunk size. So rather than always reading a complete chunk, um, it can actually also read just a smaller block or a smaller part of the data. And this is important for the random reads, where, because otherwise, if we have a small random read, if the chunks are very large, then it will be super slow. So the, and this already um, is uh, like a hint to the next topic, which is the chunk size. And the chunk size is typically 64 megabytes. And as we heard earlier, um, a typical file system has actually four kilobytes to six, maybe 64 kilobytes, but like your, your regular file system will most likely have four kilobyte um, block size. So this is way bigger, right? And uh, the reason is that here we don't have to store that much data, that, that much metadata. Um, if we would have much uh, smaller, like four kilobyte uh, chunk size, so one block on disk actually corresponds to one data block in the file system, then if we have very large files, then we would have to maintain much more metadata and the clients would have to be contacted, would have to contact the primary much more often in order to find the right chunks and their location. So we can have much less metadata and the metadata can then actually be kept in memory of the, uh, the primary, which makes all of this much faster. And well, I mean, this is the advantage, but the disadvantage is of course, that if we have many small files, then, um, well, then uh, basically we might get some hotspots or we might actually waste data because if we're in like have much less file or much smaller files and we store them in 64 megabytes, then uh, a lot of space is of course wasted. But the assumption is that we actually want to um, work with large amounts of data and then this really makes sense. So what kind of metadata does the primary store? Um, well, it stores the file and chunk namespaces, then the mapping from files to the chunks. Uh, and so here, for example, we have a namespace with our two files, 
we have uh, the dramatic chipmunk and rickroll and this will contain multiple individual chunks in this file and the the primary keeps the information where which like which file uh, comprises of which chunks and uh, also where these chunks are actually replicated. So here you can see our dramatic chipmunk uh, consists of two chunks and uh, both chunks are replicated and chunk one is on chunk server A and chunk server D and, um, and actually also on chunk server B. And uh, it's also chunk two is on chunk server A, chunk server E, and that's it. So here we have only two, uh, factor two replication, which could be an intermediate state, for example. And the metadata, so um, all this information is also replicated to a shadow primary. So besides the, the primary, we also have a shadow primary. Uh, which contains this uh, this chunk mapping and the namespaces. And this is um, if basically if the, the primary crashes or you have some problem, then the, the shadow primary can take over right away. And uh, also the, the chunks, uh, the location of the chunks is in memory only. And this is basically in order to have much faster access. So this means if there is a failover or restart, so or cold start, so we, we basically switch off the cluster and we switch it on again, then the primary has to go through all, to all the chunk servers and ask them which chunks they have and rebuild this location and chunk mapping. And also then there is a per periodic scanning in, in the Google file system for the garbage collection. As we said, whenever we want to delete files, for re-replication, if say in our primary uh, earlier example, we saw that not everything is replicated three times. So if there's a failure, then uh, we'll re-replicate and in order to migrate. If we see that one chunk server is completely overloaded, uh, then we can move some chunks somewhere else in order to balance the load. And all of this metadata has to fit in memory. And here we can see that we have 64 bytes Per chunk. So, well, I mean, with today's meta uh, memory, this will actually be not, or we can actually store quite a bit of data in memory. Google File System also uh, maintains an operation log, and uh, this basically contains uh, a, a, yeah, information about all of the operations that were done uh, on the metadata. And um, this, uh, these changes are only visible to the clients after they are persisted. So, um, meaning if you do some update to the file system, for example, or you delete a file, then this is only uh, visible to another client uh, that asks for this metadata once the operation log is, um, is, is persisted. And the log is also replicated to the standby primary and uh, or shadow primary and it's used in order to recover from failure um, so once if something crashes or the the, uh, the primary crashes then we can use uh, this operation log uh, or a chunk server also crashes so you can use the operation log to get into a, a consistent state again 
And in order to not be having to start from scratch, basically from point zero, we can use checkpointing. So we can use, uh, and this is a technique that you will know from database systems and other, uh, other systems. So essentially, rather than having the whole log at a certain point, we can see, okay, what's the system state right now at this log point and store the system state and from this system state on, we'll continue with the new log, essentially. And with this new log, then we only have to go back to the system state, which was replicated, and we can continue from there. And if you remember, there was an, uh, an, an operation in the file system that allows for easy copying things and uh, or creating a copy of certain uh, file systems and directories. And this is exactly for creating these kind of uh, checkpoints. The consistency model is relaxed. Um, so in a typical file system, you have a strong consistency model, meaning that typically only one uh, client can access a file and it's blocked for everybody else. And um, here, uh, as we already heard, multiple applications can actually append to a file. But then, of course, the applications can have to accommodate for the model. And uh, instead of actually being able to mutate a file, so to change a file internally, uh, they can only append to the end. And another component then basically sequentially reads the file and creates a new one uh, once we're, we're happy with this file or once we have to reorganize it. Nice it. And any kind of metadata is atomically updated. So something like a file rename or things like that. So let's look at the fault tolerance. And um, we already heard that the primary has an operation log and a replication to the shadow primary. The chunk servers are versioned and have the version numbers are uh, updated when, uh, when a lease is granted and chunks with old versions. And this is basically, or all chunks are versioned. And as soon as we're, we're basically uh, like one, one client accesses a chunk, then the version number is updated and chunks with old versions are not served and uh, are deleted. Meaning we have, if we um, essentially, if we appended the, the chunk and then we, we replicated or or rewrote the chunk into a new one, then uh, this has a new version and the old chunk will be deleted. And uh, chunks themselves are replicated and re-replicated um, by, the, by the primary as soon as we see that the replication factor is, uh, is not there. It's also, they are also rebalanced and then there are data integrity checks. So basically there's a check sum on the chunks in order to make sure that there nothing happens or no bit rot or things like that. The system is high available. Um, and for this, we have the fast recovery of the primary using the checkpointing and operation log and the shadow primary. We have heartbeat messages. Um, they can basically re-trigger something like read replication, uh, share the, the current load and can trigger the garbage collection but because the chunk servers can fail at any time. And with the heartbeat messages, we see that. And if um, we have to see this problem or the primary sees this problem, then it will adjust the cluster uh, accordingly. And finally, of course, there are uh, several other diagnostic tools. And 
that's it for the Google file system as an overview. And as you already know, there's an open source implementation where we actually can see more details about the file system because Google, the Google file system is an internal system. We have a paper that describes it, but that's it. And the Hadoop distributed file system is a file system that was implemented after the Google file system um, and it's open source. So we can actually exactly see how this works, but this will do in the next video. <laughs>